0: The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the Northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191 0399 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk. Newcastle Fans TV Hello and welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. This is episode... 105, and today, Sam, we are joined by a man who has been through 31 managers, whether that be <sighs> permanent, temporary, or just for the one game, like a Nigel Pearson, for example. And I family, was there for that, were you? Yeah, it was, game.
1: it was Stoke in the effort in an FA Cup replay.
0: Oh, I thought it was Man United 6 0. Nigel Pearson, yeah, I thought it was Man United 6 0. He, well, had two might, games he, might,
1: them, he might have had more than well. This was a cup, so I, I, if if your one game was just a league game, then um, your stats correct. But no, this was a cup replay against Stoke. We won four one
0: with ten mm-hmm. men. The day that Kevin Keegan was more or
1: less announced, he was in the in the stands, Yeah, yeah. So think... uh, the kickoff was delayed by fifteen minutes, which was good because I got stuck in traffic on the M one on the way up. So that that was a big help. So thank you, Kev.
0: Well, Kevin Keegan was probably, let me think, about 10 years into Derek Wright's journey as Newcastle United's head of physio amongst a variety of roles. But head physio is probably the role that uh, he would appreciate. I'm sure you he have a lot of stories with a, a variety of different managers and with a variety of different roles. But Derek Wright has only just recently retired in the last couple of, well, I think just under a month ago, I believe, yeah. that he decided to hang up his medical equipment if you like sam and he's no longer the, the head physio hang up his stethoscope
1: and deep heat
0: exactly but a man that every time newcastle played a game and you saw him it was just like a part of the furniture You knew Derek Wright was going to be there and when you hear from other people that have been in the game a long time derek is very well respected and oh. one of the best if not the best in his field
1: yeah, huge respect. And when we're doing this before we've recorded the interview. So I'm I'm not nervous, but I'm very aware that like there's going to be a lot we cover, but there's going to be a hell of a lot we miss out because 38 years, I mean that's both before we were born.
0: Is it's incredible.
1: Yeah, by a lot but comfortably. Comfortably. Wow. Um so what what a man, what a, it's a proper Newcastle United legend. It doesn't matter, I, like, I know legends are only seen as like managers or players, but no, Derek's a, a Newcastle United legend. Um, so it's really good of him to come on, and I just can't wait to, to get into this because he's been there and seen it all throughout our tenure of, of supporting Newcastle United. And you think I've supported Newcastle United for over 25 years, and he's been there for all of it. Very, very odd not seeing him at the be- on the bench against Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah, very odd. But times are changing.
0: Yeah, it is very odd, you know, not seeing him on that Nottingham Forest game. You know, you know it, I can just imagine how surreal it'll be for the players and the management and people like other staff members. Maybe they don't get a mention as much. That like other staff members around Derek and the, the fact that he won't be there. You know, he might pop in from time to time. You know, maybe once, twice a year, just to you need, need a bit of advice. But to be in that job, and you know, since since he was twenty six, he's been in that job, son. You know, it, to have one one proper job like that, even though he had he had physio experience at Fulham, he, he, he played a little bit at Arsenal as an apprentice, and it just shows that if you can find the right job. And the right people, and you never work a day in your life, and he probably never worked a day in his life after he was 26 years
1: old. I don't know. There's some pretty grim years in there, wasn't there? And some pretty there would have been some pretty busy years in there for him as well, given the injury crises we've had over the years. Uh yeah, it's just incredible. What what a man, what service to to one football club. Uh it's Again, I got the 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 word "legend" is overused, as as we know. But he is an absolute Newcastle United legend. Thirty eight years that's incredible. It's incredible. It can't be understated just how incredible it is. The things he's seen and the things he's experienced at Newcastle United, the highs and the lows. Yeah, absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. To ask Derek, you know, why the time was right now, obviously with the club. Being taken over and everything on a high and a buzz did he not fancy it for another couple more years? Get to forty years and see uh, even more highlights. Hopefully, in the next few years of Newcastle United doing so well, but some of the players, some of the players that you've probably seen over the years, Sam, you know, <sighs> like, so your, your Beardsleys, your Gutscoings, your Shears, your Sprays, you know, Gary Speeds, you know, you, even your Besaidas, you, yeah, <laughs> even now like your Bruno Gimarets, your
1: you're Carl Coates.
0: You've had these Pankratts. You're pancrats So there is so, so many, and I hope that you all enjoy listening to this episode because, like I say, a man who spends 38 years in any job is very, very rare, and to do it in Newcastle United, well, that's an absolute bonus for me and Sam as big, big Newcastle United fans, along with all your fantastic listeners who are massive Newcastle United fans as well but I think it's about time we kept this interview up and running. So this is episode 105 of the Greenwood and Mulliner show and it is with Derek Wright. The Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Myself and Sam are joined by a man who has been a part of Newcastle United for the last 38 years in which he has seen 31 managers and thousands of players who have donned the famous black and white shirt. Derek Wright has been credited as one of the best in his field, if not the best as head physio at Newcastle United. But he has just recently retired, and he is here to tell us all about the reasons why he's decided that now is the right time, along with many, many memories, is Derek himself. So, Derek, welcome to the Greenwood and the show here on Newcastle Fans. Good, good morning. Nice to, nice to be here. Good. Well,
2: good
0: morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you as well, Derek. I think the first question, Derek, is why now? Why? How, is this the time? Why, after 38 years, is it time to hang, hang up your, all your medical equipment, if you like? Hang up the machines. Um, I think <laughs> it, was, it was
2: probably in the last couple of years I've I physically haven't been able to do what I would like to have done, I think, first of all. And um, found that a little bit frustrating. I always was a physio who was outside and was out on the field and on the pitch and involved in rehab. And after, I, my, I was, I've been struggling with my knees recently and um, it was a case of looking at the situation and then I thought, well, maybe in the next... I had intended to maybe go to, to try and do 40 years here um, and then retire at 66. That was in my mind. But it, it's it's a bit strange, really, because once once the seed was in my mind, that I, I kept thinking about maybe I should start and think about retirement. Um, and then it was obviously the takeover, and you know the the buzz, and you know, and then I thought, well, I could go on forever here, really. <laughs> but you can't you can't go on forever. And I had a discussion with the club um, last season about maybe changing roles, different, you know, doing different sort of aspects of the job, not traveling so much, different, you know, there was all sorts of things, um, permutations really. And I think, one, but once I'd sort of been thinking about it, it was like I couldn't get it out of my mind and I was thinking this. So we, we had a discussion and we came to the conclusion that probably – um, a break or a clean break and I'd rather have a clean break I think than I didn't want to be, because we were talking about maybe getting someone else in to have a transition from me to them but I didn't want to be the old physio in the corner of the room which was just like outstanding his welcome really um, and we, we came to a discussion and we just thought it was best to sort of do it now really and that was it. I think once the decision had been made and um, I'd sort of got it in my mind that that's what was going to happen. And the club were, you know, sort of on board with everything and sort of did a suggestion that we, we still had some connection, even, you know, I would retire and, and that was it, really. It, it just sort of went on from then, and it it, it happened. And um, I think partly as well because you you think right the the, fu- the future really is going to change now, and the, you know we'll hopefully get a new training ground, new facility, this, that, and the other. And I think it's it's probably just right at the right time for it needs a younger person coming in with um maybe a fresh outlook and, and to do it that way you know i'll be I'll be around there on the fringes and in the background and, and you know somewhere but it'll probably you know just being there sort of if if needed or or doing a little bit you know maybe at the academy or or even women's team or something like that it's just a it's just a loose sort of idea at the minute but we're you know that was that's in a nutshell, sort of what what's happened. And once the once I'd had it in my mind, it was difficult to, for me to get it out of my mind. And um, you know, so it, it's been a it's been a hard decision. Obviously, you know, you could you, you can't go on forever. And the circle of life is, you know, I was 26 when I came here, and I want I want another 26 or a 36 year old to come in in my place, you know, and be part of the you know, in the incredible future, which I think is going to be there really. And I'll, I'll be watching from the stands with my, with my uh, family, you know? So that's uh, I'll just go off and start crying now. By, <laughs> that's what, I, what I've just said. The <laughs>
1: thing is, the thing is Derek, like in football in particular, the word legend is, is really overused, but I don't think you realize what well, you might do. I don't know, but, from a fan's perspective, I don't think you realise just how much of a Newcastle legend you are, because I'm 32 years old. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to make you feel old, so I apologize, but you've been there longer than I've been alive. So and the same with Johnny as well, despite his his hairline. But um, <laughs> well, um it's gonna be very odd for for fans. Not seeing you like on the bench for Nottingham Forest on that first game of the season. Um, I know you've had bits of spells in the past where you've not been the man running on the pitch. because I remember back in the day, Paul Ferris, friend of the show, used to do used to be the one running on the pitch or whatever, but yeah. it, it's going to be very odd. Have you, are you going to the gamers as, as you say there with your family or are you? Gonna stay away a bit, get some holidays in, get on the golf course. What have you? Have you even thought that far ahead?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, my boys. Um, I've got three boys. One works abroad, but the two, are, the two younger ones, uh, are in the family enclosure. So they're just desperate for me to be there, trying to, they want to see me singing the songs and things, like, you know, and just to be a, a fan, really. And I, I think they think that's quite amusing—the thought of me actually doing that. Um, the little one thinks I won't make it up the stairs to the family enclosure. So the, uh, <laughs> I've got uh, rickets in my, in my knees. Um, yes, it, it will be it will be strange. And I think it, it's... The strange thing is, because oh, I was thinking about this the other day, I think I know exactly the routine, obviously on a match day. And I know what they'll be doing in the morning, what they'll be doing just before the game, just before they come out, at half time. I know the setup. I know where people stand, where people sit. And I think that's the that's where I'll find strange because I'll know that's still going on and I'm not strapping up Fabian Shaw's ankles or, you know, or rubbing John Joe's calf or whatever. And I think that's the Strange thing, where I'll be looking, it'll be quite surreal. Really, it'll be like looking down from above and and thinking, um, you know, I know exactly what's going on. But I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm looking forward to. It's 38 years. I've never done it, you know. And I mean, you know, I used to be in the Leases End when it was all the old Leazes End, but crazy. I mean, I, you know, the, the changes are just frightening, really, and so it, it will be strange, and it will be not involved in a match day, because you were building up every week to a match day, that was the thing that you were you were going for, you had a routine, I had a routine every day, you know, and, and it's the routine, really, which which you find, you know, it's it's sort of strange not to do certain things, and you, you think, you know, like, the other day, I was trying to, I went to... Sign in somewhere, and you had to sign your company name. And I was just about to sign N.U.F.C. and I thought, my God, I don't, I don't, I don't work with anyone You know, so it's like it was. So yes, it will be strange. I was 26 when I came here, you know, and I was just a, a young physio, really, and a, a, a young, probably a young fit physio, you know. And it, it's, but it, it, it's circle of life, like I say. I mean, it. it uh, I think
0: it's time for for somebody else, really. you say you were 26 when you first arrived as a physio at Newcastle, and it was undoubtedly the, the late, great uh, Jack Charlton, um, can you remember the early years in particular, and what did you pick up whilst you were doing the job to maybe, when you look back now, going, I'm so glad I did this and this in the early stages, just because I can give yeah. that advice now to the other members of staff that are at Newcastle United now?
2: Yeah, and I, I think the the, the the grounding was you pick up things along the way. I mean, I went the I was at Fulham for three years before Newcastle. I went to Fulham at twenty-three year old, um, and I was a physio there, and I learned a lot of Fulham. Really, I learned a lot of how to deal with players and how to deal with certain situations, how to deal with not medically, you know. I mean, medically. I was trained medically. I was qualified. It was just a case of how you deal with a a footballer who maybe you know doesn't really want to play. You know, you you sometimes get that some, you for whatever reason you get somebody who wants to play and you know that trying to hide an injury or so that grounding in the three years before I came to Newcastle was, you know, was essential really. And I think if I'd come straight to Newcastle. I would have been quite nervous for doing that, but because I'd had the the three years' experience, I was ready then for, for anything, I suppose, really. Um, Jack, was, Jack was great. I mean, Jack just let me get on with it, called me Dennis. He, he, you know, I was <laughs> Dennis. And even when he came back years later, I was still Dennis. So I never... I never had the heart to say to him, "Well, actually, it's terrible, so not <laughs> Um, And but well, Jack was very well, like a you know good solid Geordie guy who just says, "Get on with it." And he just said, "You're a young physio, but you've you'll grow up with a young team." I remember him saying that to me, and and he just left me to it. Really, he knew that. You know, my connection was with the players, and Willie McFall was the coach at the time, and uh, Willie was was took me under his wing, and um, you know, so that was a, a big help. You know, the, the people in the game uh, have been great along the way, really. You know, so so yes, I I had the experience of following, and it did it did help me really.
1: You talk about them um, dealing with players that maybe are reluctant to play or whatever, and. Dealing with players with horrendous injuries at some various points. But obviously, you've worked with some tremendous players, some world class players over the years, and you've worked with some not so good players, as is typical Newcastle United. How do you go about dealing with a player who doesn't want to play because, I don't know, he's got a bad finger or or something really? Was was it true that Marcelino didn't want to play once because he'd he'd done his fingering or something like that?
2: I have to to stick up for him here. He had a – he ruptured a tendon in his hand and the the surgeon – he had an operation, the surgeon repaired his tendon and the surgeon said, you can't play because if you catch your hand on somebody's shirt, you'll rupture the tendon again. Oh, really? And and the poor lad, I remember reading somewhere that, you know, he he was – Sort of not playing for a broken fingernail or something like that, and I felt I felt sorry for him really. And I've, I've, you know, and I've always, you know, so that no, he 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 was told not to play really. So there you go. There
1: you go. That that's one myth busted. <laughs> there there are a lot of urban myths for over the years at Newcastle United. At least we've managed to bust one now.
2: Yeah, well, I remember one with another one actually with Philippe Albert. Someone who came to me one day. I was the having a cup of coffee somewhere and somebody came to me and said uh, Philly Barber's obviously been involved with drugs and somebody's, you know battered him over the knee with a baseball bat I've had it on good authority that's what's happened and ruptured his cruciate and I went, well no he, he's, he did it in training yesterday I was there, I, w- I watched the training session and this lad kept saying no, no, I'd I, I've got it on good authority. He was like, he kept going, and at the end, I went, just, "Well, you believe what you want to believe, but I actually saw him rupture his cruciate ligament yesterday." So, so it's true. Really, you you get these sort of um, myths come out. Poor Philip was a um, Philippe was a, was a, gonna, a drug yeah, baron gonna... in Newcastle, according to this stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Derek, how difficult is it? when a player comes back from, or trying to get back to a difficult injury? Because you've got the rehab and you've got, you almost a motivator as well, because you've got to try and keep the player focused and thinking, right, let's get you back on the pitch. Let's get you back scoring. How, how, or scoring in maybe like an Alan Shearer's case, or if it's a goalkeeper trying to get the clean sheets, et cetera, et cetera. How, how difficult is that in trying to balance between the two?
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, you you're trying to end the end point is obviously that they they play again and they you know they do what they're supposed to do. Alan's case, you know, Alan came back from a a nasty injury, and the first game is probably in a way the easiest game because they tend to be really up for it, and the adrenaline and everything of the occasion gets them through. Um, what you've got to try and do then is to make sure that they get through that second and third game and the uh, you know the one at home where the fifty thousand geordies are uh, cheering on great mm. you know they'll you know the, you get through that game. The mid- midweek game at Barnsley where you know it's pouring down the rain. <laughs> that's when that's when you've got to get through, you know, where the, the, you've just got to try and sort of keep them going really and that the dunk because what you'll find is that initially they'll come back and then they'll, they'll do really well, but then they'll dip. But that's because that's an, a natural, um, that's what happens really. So you've just got to keep them motivated, keep them going. And the program and everything that you put together, You, but you should have done enough work and should have done enough build up and enough strength work and enough um, fitness work along with the fitness coaches and, S guys, you know, you it, it's a it's a big team effort. It's not just the physiotherapist, but you're heading towards that final um, bit, if you like. And obviously, Alan's case, there was me and Paul Ferris. Paul Ferris had a, a massive part to play as well. Yeah, and you know, there was a a joint effort and a joint sort of relief, if you like, when when Alan got back. But um, no, it's great. But you, you, the first game is probably the the easier one, really, I, I would say.
1: Is it especially difficult when you're dealing with like an injury-prone player? I'm thinking of people like uh, Kieran Dyer, perhaps, who had more of his fair share uh, of injuries, quite bad ones as well. But when he was on it, he was absolutely unbelievable but is it is it hard to to kind of pick a player up when they're in the treatment room more than maybe they should be
2: yeah um you do get injury you do get injury prone players i mean you you i think from a physiotherapist point of view or a medical point of view you delve in or you're trying to do lots of research you're trying to find out why they're injured or why they keep getting injured for one thing. And um, it might be something completely non-physical. It might be something medical, you know, a medical issue that they have, which, uh, it, you know, they're prone to. So it's, it's difficult for them as well, because they don't want to be labeled as a injury prone player. Mm. And you try and try and make that player robust, Enough to physically maybe not get injured. Like I say, there may be some genetic. You you know, there's research now. There's there's some. You know, there might be genetic um, overlay on thing which you know might predispose that player to a certain injury. You know, which is quite an interesting sort of field in itself. So there's a it's a vast thing. It's not as just simple as I, I think. If somebody doesn't want to play, because my experience is that you know 99.9 percent of the players do want to play and you know they, they do want to um, make that team at, at, at the weekend really
0: when you always thought at the top of the uh, top of the introduction that like you've been involved in Newcastle for such a long time and there's been so many different managers 31 managers that i've managed to count with my research as well i know i'm not, I'm not going to ask you how every single manager wanted wanted how they wanted their physio to to be like but how different have some managers been have, have some managers taken every single word of what you said because obviously with years of experience you get you obviously you, you, you probably trusted more but has there been some managers that just you know yeah thanks for thanks for your advice but Derek but I'm going to kind of go with my gut feeling on this because I, I'm managers managers obviously live or die by results so it, yeah. It, it, yeah I'd imagine that's uh but especially when it's difficult, the stress levels must be so uh, so high as well.
2: Yes, I mean, they, they were Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all different. Um, I would say that most most of them, if not all of them, certainly have been have listened, have been sort of um, the manner and the way of the, the listened. Have I've not sort of suspected that they've walked out of the room and they've thought, right, okay. Derek says he should be out for three weeks, but, uh, you know, let's just ignore that, basically. I, I don't think that happens. I think, you know, this situations where I might have said, look, I think you need to leave him another couple of weeks. He needs more strength. He needs more time on the pitch, rehab. And, you know, they might be, we're, but we might be in a situation where they say, well, look, we're going to have to take the chance. Um, we're going to have to take a risk or whatever like that, and that—that's what happens. Um, somebody like Kevin, Kevin Keegan was, was Kevin would listen to you and, and you know be you know take on board what you were saying, um, and then you know one particular instance where Rob Lee was struggling with a, um, a right ankle injury. Um, and the right calf injury, and I said, "Look, he's 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 going to struggle crossing the ball from the right hand side." And Kevin just said, "Right, I'll play him on the left, and play them play them on the left." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I looked at Kevin and I thought, "Okay, fair enough." And it, we got away with it. But Kevin was Kevin was brilliant with me as well. I mean, he would if I said, "Look, he can't play," he wouldn't play him. You know, I, I think it's more a uh, What I found over the years was it was more, you know, you laid the you you put the facts before them, said, look, these are the facts. These are the he will struggle to play, or if he plays, he might not last the game, or he might only last half an hour, or you might get an hour out of him, or he shouldn't play. If he plays, it's dangerous for him, and he'll be out for three or four weeks. And so the you know you put these facts to them and normally, you know, 9, again, 9.9% 9. of the time, they would listen, you know, and 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 sort of take on board what you were saying and sort of follow your advice, really.
1: How, what do you think was the biggest shift from when one manager left to another one coming in that was just totally chalk and cheese? Um, because... Like, I can imagine from going from Sabobi to a, a Graham Sounes, perhaps that that might be quite a, a big change, or going from a Steve McLaren to a Rafa Benitez might be quite a big change. What, what was the biggest difference between the two managers?
2: Um, I think Rafa actually came, Rafa had a um, philosophy about training and injuries, actually, which I'd never really seen before, never really sort of um, the Rafa's philosophy was we, we needed to get them out of the treatment room as quickly as possible onto the pitch as quickly as possible even if they had a, an injury which you know they could maybe do part of the training so maybe you could you know you had a, an injury say a slight hamstring where you know you might get 15, 20 minutes out of their training session or the, or the warm up. And then Rafa was quite happy for them to go in then. Now, I would say the majority of the other managers didn't, didn't want their player or a player with them doing the full time training unless they were hundred percent fit, unless they could cope with the whole session or certainly cope with um, you know, a full training session and possibly, you know, part of a game. And um, so that was, uh, that philosophy was totally different than what I'd seen before and since really. And I think it doesn't always work, but it was something different, which from a physiotherapist point of view, I thought, yeah, you know, I could, you know, I might use a part of that in the future or, or, you know, I could, I could see, and it's worked, obviously it's worked for Rafa, and it did work for Rafa, and I think, um, but it might not work all the time. You know, you have to be um, careful with what injuries you, you did that with, really. So that would from a medical point of view, I think that was the, probably the biggest sort of
0: change or shift. When you announced your retirement, Derek, a lot of players, you know, past players, even obviously current day Newcastle United players, obviously sending you your best, uh, obviously sending their best wishes to you for the, for your future. It just shows that you had that camaraderie, I think, as well with the players, the banter with the players. I, I've heard, I've seen, I've heard of one story in regards to Stephen Taylor and paintball guns, which you managed <laughs> to get away with. Am I right in saying?
2: Yes. Um, again, my 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 own sort of downfall, really. You know, like accepting the challenge. I, I, I can't turn the challenge down. Man. It's like somebody can <laughs> something right. Yes, I'll do it. Um, and the challenge was to, to have a, a massive weight loss, which I was well in the way, but like not quite getting there. And the, you know, the, obviously the prize for him was to YouTube or to video me with just my underpants on, which is not a very pretty site anyway. <laughs> um, pin with a paintball gun 50 paintballs which he told me he was going to put in the freezer um and to shoot me 50 paintballs me running from either post in the six yard box you know so the thought of one that happened to and the thought of somebody actually video on that made me in the last day do some crazy and I managed to do it, but nearly killing myself in the process and not advisable and not a sensible thing to do, I must add, for anybody to do. It. But I did. Um, and he was devastated. But the look on his face made it worthwhile because I thought, yes, I've, I've beaten him. So that was enough for me.
1: <laughs> it's always nice getting one over on these players. <laughs> but um, the, the, the transfer windows open at, at the moment, obviously, Derek, and... Obviously, a medical can make or kill a deal, can't it? But what a lot of people don't know is the the specifics behind this whole medical um, situation when a, a new player signs for your club. So, for instance, when uh, a Bruno arrives in town, or um, even someone like a Callum Wilson, what's what's your role in 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 making the deal happen? I suppose in passing him on a medical,
2: right? The the, the actual the it, it Newcastle, the physiotherapist probably doesn't get involved with the physiotherapists and the um, strength conditioning coaches and sports science lads. We all tend to get involved after the signing, so we will. So the the doc uh, Paul will go through um, the medical. Now he's it. You know, in the past he's gone. He's called me in when he maybe wants my advice or my Eyes or my assessment on something, um, but invariably it'll be it'll be tended to be him that the investigations now the, the scans are, are very very important. The MRI scans are, they go through a whole raft of scans which will pick up anything or most things to be honest, uh, muscular skeletal wise. Um, obviously, Paul goes through the the medical side. But if he's joint wise or muscle wise, if, if Paul's had a an issue or he's not sure, he maybe sort of like you know, calls me in and then you know I'll look at somebody with him. But it tends to be um Paul that does the medical um, and you know the like I say there's so many there's so much involved in it now, really, that you'll you'll pick up you'll pick up most things now. Um, I would say everything really. Um, but there might be something, you know, once you've signed the player, then our job is to get a hold of that player the first day, along with the sports science staff and and go through analysis and assessments of our own, really. And that usually just go to, through um, some basic orthopedic screening and on top of everything which which has been done already go through the medical which Paul's done, the history that he's got, the history we've had from the other club um any particular injury that they've had major injury um so you you were aware of everything really. I don't think there'd, there'd be any uh, stone unturned really now.
0: It almost sounds like a risk assessment, Derek. It's kind of like obviously you're not making the final decision, but say for example Newcastle want to give out a five-year contract. Well, you might say, could you potentially say, I'll give your advice and say, look, five years. I can understand why you're doing that, but this player might only last three years. He say he's got a bad knee injury, or he's got a, you know, he's got he's got like a bad calf injury, and you know, this could this could hamper him in, in in a few years time, and Newcastle might not get the full benefit of this. Have you ever had that conversation with? Maybe a particular manager, or particular or somebody that works at the football club, because it yeah. does sound very yeah. risk assessment, like If you yes, I mean
2: you, you'll, I mean you'll again different managers and different players. You, you see, the important one of the most important thing is the you know and people are, tell you the biggest predictor of injury is is previous injury really. So, and what you'll do, you'll you'll, you'll do a lot of research now on. You know what? The, what has that player been up to the last few seasons? How many games has he played? You know, if you've got somebody who has played the full, you know, 30, 40 games for the last five years or five seasons, and they present with something which, you know, medically you might think that, that 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 should have or could stop him playing, but it hasn't then that, you know, that you take that into consideration, you know, that, that players managed to play for the last five years. Now, you know, that injury might rear its head or that condition might rear its head in two years time. and might do it in six months. You know, sometimes you do have to take a chance. I've had situations where, you know, medicals have been done or a manager has said, I'm not concerned about the medical. He's on a free transfer. He's played forty games for the last three years. I'm going to sign him, and you know you tend and that I've seen that happen. You know, and I can't say which which players, but like a, you know I've seen that happen where the have signed players who have played, but they've you know the, the the medical might be very basic stuff, really. You know the or um, the essential stuff. You don't go into too much depth if you know somebody's had an ankle injury, but they've you know, that ankle injury might have articular damage, but they managed to play for the last five years every game. So what do you what do you want? You know the chances are that they're gonna play in the next two years every game or most of the games. So that's sometimes you gotta look at that way really.
1: I mean you mentioned about during a medical with with the club doctor, no stone would be left unturned. There's sports science, and and uh, there's a great deal of depth that goes into it. How frustrating then was it over um, under the previous owner that you then had to kind of usher in a fourteen fifteen million pound signing in Genie Wine Aldum into a wheelie bin or a paddling pool?
2: Um, I think the the frustration was was probably. I think the frustration for me was, was, you say, I've obviously gone back a long way. And I remember um, Sir John Hall sending me in the dock at the time all over the world, looking at training grounds. This was in the mid-90s, going thinking about Washington, building a hospital, building a hotel. But, you know, I saw the plans for a training ground then, which was just like would blow your mind now, never mind in the mid-90s really. And then it didn't happen. That was that was the frustrating time for me because we were very close to doing that and then that didn't happen. So there was sort of a a period, I mean, you know, after that where it was, the facilities stood still and they stood, they stood still at Darsley Park. It wasn't perfect and I could see, other clubs and other facilities and, and I was getting, you know, quite jealous of um, other other clubs and what they would, you know, what you, you would go to the training ground on, you would think, this is unbelievable, we're so far behind here. Um, yeah, it was very frustrating. And uh, I think, I mean, the, the big facilities, if you like, the new training ground or the new hydrotherapy or the new, you know that was we we we've needed that and that you know again now we still need it it will you know won't happen overnight but it will come but i think i think that yeah i mean it, it was it was i was sort of frustrated but you you had to get on with the job you know i mean you you had to do or get on with the job where you you know in the facilities that you had you couldn't Go on moaning about it all the time, you know, and you just had to think, right? This is it for the moment. I've just got to get on with this, you know. So you did. You did. You just got on with it and did the best what you could with uh, with what you had, really.
0: I, I, I think obviously now it looks like Newcastle certainly putting the plans in place. So it, it obviously does look promising. Are you a bit jealous potentially of what Newcastle could have in the next few years because you you talked about the buzz obviously with the, with the new owners. Coming in, and it's almost yeah. a year. Actually, it's not a million miles of a year since they've since they've come in. Can you remember that first couple of days of you know meeting the new owners, meeting Amanda and me and Dad in particular, maybe and Jamie Rubin as well in particular? And could, could, can you, yeah. I don't suppose, I mean, you've had conversations with them about the training ground and what their plans are?
2: Yes, I mean the, you know the when it for when it happened, I mean the the buzz was unbelievable. I was actually in the car with my two younger boys and it came over the radio that had happened and they wanted to go straight down the ground, you know, like, <laughs> you know, can we go down the ground? Dad? And, um, and it was like, it was just a, a buzz really. And, and I must admit that then I was, I was thinking, that's it. We could have this, we could have that. Well, you know, we could have for this. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, but you, you're like a kitty in a sweet shop, really. And you, but then you've got to, you soon realize, hang on, you know, the. you have to do this in stages, you know, you, this is an immediate stage. What can we have right now, you know, to, to improve us? What can we have maybe in the next few years at the training ground? And what can the new training ground look like in, you know, whenever that is in the next five years? I, I don't know. So... I soon realized that we weren't going to go from Darsley Park to a brand new facility the next day with all this wonderful equipment and, you know, and just like a dream really it didn't happen that way. It takes time. And so there's the immediate thing. There's a, the sort of near future, if you like, and then there's the, the new facility, which we'll have to take proper planning and um, appreciation of. So but the excitement was like this is i mean i was excited for you know the supporters really because they've they've gone from like you know from where we were to they, they, we could win something i mean i've been there when we've nearly won something which was like you know heartache really but um this is you know we could really win something here and, and you know the you know to see players, which uh, it, you know it's going to be hopefully great entertainment. You know, and it, it's um, so I think yes, the, the excitement is there, and it was evident that that, that everybody wanted just the best for us, really. Uh,
1: kind of two pronged question. Um... Do you think falling behind uh, with the facilities on the facility side of things, uh, specifically at the training ground, was maybe a contributing factor over the years? Because we've had our fair share of injury crisis at uh, Newcastle down the years. And and secondly, when the whole buzz and the whole rumours of the takeover going around, was there much talk amongst the players and staff at, in inside the training ground? Was Was cans ever mentioned?
2: the um, I think facilities do have a yeah they do have a bearing obviously um I think there's a lot of the multifactorial really of of reasons why you know people get injured now I think as well like I've mentioned before you have to with your recruitment process you have to sort of you know, previous injury is a is a big indicator of injury. Um, maybe you know the we we did sign players who had previous injuries who were just going to be continue to get injured. Really, you know that 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 wasn't going to change. And um, facilities do have a, a bearing. I think to be fair, though, I think. Um, within sort of the immediate sort of treatment room and everything like that. If, if I needed, or we needed something, um, the club were the club have always, even from the very first day I was here, they'll try and get it for you. You know, they would try and do that for you. You had to put a case forward sometimes of why you needed that particular piece of equipment. But as long as you did that, they would, they would try and get it. Now, like I say there's there's been factors for injury sometimes it would be um, we had an issue with the I think the training surface when we first moved to Darsley there was yeah. something not right with um, with the pitches and you know with the obviously the the, the club did appreciate that was the case eventually and um, there's you know you might have certain players certain coach you know certain coaches might have certain training regimes which might be a bit more risky and you know so there's all different factors really i think we had a period you know it's strange really football as well i mean i i remember those times with kevin where we didn't have any injuries and i'm thinking you know, and he used to come to me and Ferrer and say, I'm going to lay you two off because you've got nothing to do. <laughs> um, so what are you, you know, that's the best situation to be in when a manager saying that to you, I suppose, because when you're busy, you know, that's, you know, you, you are busy, but, you know, they don't want their players injured, really. Um, and, you know, there's been times when we've had injury after injury after injury and ten, injuries tend to take a, you know you might have a spell of groin injuries you might have a spell of hamstring injury It happens at other clubs as well and at the minute now and i think with players getting fitter stronger the playing surfaces are getting better but like now there, there seems to be a lot of tendon injuries coming into the football you know which i didn't see i didn't see tendon injuries or many tendon injuries for years and years and that's so it goes in cycles really but Yes, the better recruitment, the better facilities, the better training methods, the better staffing, the better equipment. You're going to cut down. You know that risk. You'll never put out injuries altogether, but you, you'll certainly cut the cut them down. And um, there will be. You know, I've always thought that in the future, you know, you you. Well, and it's starting to happen now. You have people dedicated to, you know, just doing a lot of analysis and not a lot of assessment, a lot of risk assessment actually of of cutting down cutting down injury. Um, So, you know, that might be a different. You know, that's maybe the physiotherapist too specializing in that particular field. So it's it's yeah, it's totally changed really. From that, I don't know if I've answered your question there, but. That's,
1: you know, that's yeah. Funny. Yeah, you, you, you answered the first part absolutely brilliantly. The second part was: did, 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 was there any mention of hashtag cans around the time of the takeover? The rumors was: did, did the players and the staff in and around the training ground feel? Um, the were, the oh, yes.
2: I mean, you know, the, the, yeah, you could feel it. Like I say, I mean, you know, I was in I was in around town when it when that happened, and it was you could tell something was was You know, a lot of my friends are supporters, and and you know, it was like, yeah, I mean, it was totally different. I mean, you know, looking at Sam Fender on BBC Breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Was was quite funny actually, and I thought that you know. There'll be about 30,000, 40 or fifty thousand other people in the in the same boat as him. Uh, but he did well to do the interview, actually. But, but uh, yeah, the the feeling was 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 there. It was it was great? It was, it was. I was pleased for the fans, really, because I think you know I could just tell from my boys they were so excited. Oh, dad! Look at this! Look at this! You know, look at it. I'm on or on social media, but they would show me everything. You know, and it was it was great, great to see. Really,
0: I'm going to probably put you on the spot here, Derek, because I know you've been at the club for such a long time. But has there been a particular moment, a particular game, a particular player, like a standout memory over the last 38 years? And it just it just gives you a smile, puts a smile on your face automatically.
2: Oh, I, I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of them actually. I mean, stand out, you know, battering Man United that time was was brilliant. Um, and the, the same breath, the feeling of agony at Anfield, you know, when we we got beat oh. four three. I mean, I'd gone that. I couldn't speak actually after that. I remember just like. I couldn't I just I, I couldn't I, even now when I think about like I, I, the, the feeling afterwards the the recent game you know the home game against Arsenal that was that was like I think the feeling for me was was that's that's it that you know the the fans have, have found their feeling again if you like that game was brilliant the atmosphere and Afterwards and everything like that, so there's been so many standout moments, so many memories. You know, I'm um, gonna have to write them down actually before I go female, Um and forget them all. But the, there's there's great times. You know, the, the the feeling of of missing out on the, the um, premiership was, was mm-hmm. hard to take. Actually, I remember the. At the time, because we were so close to that, um, but that that but all the memories with that and building up were were fantastic. Um, the promotions were great. The, the the semi-finals were great. I didn't enjoy the finals at all because the semi-finals, the feeling in the semi-finals were like was were you know obviously fantastic, and then Wembley itself was like such a disappointment. You know, yeah. you know, you tend to forget the Wembley. I remember the semi-finals, but and the feeling, you know, that that stand bouncing up and down, you know, and um, things like that. We're, we're just so there's, there's so many memories really. It, it's uh, you know, I keep little things keep coming into my mind, and you know, just moments with 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 players as well, and with, with manager, with staff. You know, I've worked with a lot of. Good stuff. There's a lot of good people at Newcastle. A lot of Newcastle people, a lot of um, people who the club mean, you know, the, the world to them really. And you know, I think it's it's funny because I always it I I don't like people criticizing the club from, you know, I could I could criticize the club, but I don't like people criticizing the club where. They would say out of the area or out of the because the you know I always felt as if they didn't know the club, they didn't know the city, you know the the fan, you know the, the everything about it. And, and people at our club were, were desperate for it to do well, you know, and and hopefully that's that's to come now.
1: 100 percent. How does the current manager, the current squad, the harmony in the current squad compare to what you've seen in the past? Because it seems like the the harmony within the squad at the moment is is the best it's been for some time is that how it actually is because that's what the perception that we get
2: yes i think um, yeah i think that the perception is is, is right i think the they've got a good um, team spirit the lads definitely and mm. i've said before the when i've seen us do well it it they have to have a good team spirit they have to have a togetherness and, and this group have, um, and I think the manager and he's, he's very astute, I think he's a very deep thinker, um, along with his staff. And I think they're very, very hardworking. I mean, I used to, I used to try and get in seven thirty every day to, you know, do my, not that it did me any good in the gym but I used to try and go in the gym before work and I used to pull up at 7.30 and his car was there and I was thinking what time is he getting in there you know um, I used to leave late and he was still there and, um, so I think you know he's obviously a grafter as well really and um, you know but I think he's he's young and he's obviously got a, a lot of Good idea. It's very clever, and I think, yeah, the feeling is is very good. There's a
0: good a good set of good set of lads, really. Yeah, and just just finally, Derek, you've obviously had the chance to go back for your, for your last day, of course. Can you tell us what that day was like? Did you did you manage to hold it in? There was was there much emotion? And how will you, you like I say? Will you come back on the odd occasion if 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 they want some advice or they want some help? Or are you kind of just you know? Leaving it now, you're letting the the new generation, if you like, take control of it.
2: Yes, I I think I think the best thing is to have a a clean break. I mean, the manager said, "Look, I'm going to keep inviting you in for lunch or whatever," which you know, which is great. But you know, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be somebody who's hanging around. Do do you know what I mean? I I think I've, I've I've had the clean break. I said goodbye. And I'm, all, you know, it's my club, and I want to help, and you know, and I will help, and um, it, different things as well, you know. The club have obviously big in the academy with Steve Harper, and um, you've got the women's team come through now. There's other um, aspects of the club really, and I think the, that last the, the day I said goodbye was was I, I'm pleased the manager invited me in to do it because it was like, uh, I did hold it together, I'm not sure how, but it was for, for me to say thank you um, to all of the staff, you know, all of the, um, you know, people that are involved, you know, throughout the training, good. you know, really good people, uh, as well as the players and, uh, you know, coaching and, and my colleagues as well, really, and, I, you know just to say thank you and I, I would miss them and you know that for me was you know that was it really I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean after thirty eight years service at Newcastle United Derek, I don't think you'll ever have to buy a drink in Newcastle ever again but I mean we've we've sort of mentioned Paul Ferris a couple of times I mean well renowned author of of all things now, is there any plans to maybe write a book because I'm sure every Newcastle fan would love to to read your kind of memoirs from the past thirty eight
2: years there's money to be made Derek <laughs> i think i think so i think i'm I'm probably um i said to paul you've you've nicked all the stories now wouldn't I, I said <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but Yeah, I mean, Paul, well, just to know him, Paul, it's unbelievable what he did, really. I mean, I remember Paul coming to me and saying, I'm going to do a law degree, and I started to laugh, and I thought, what? And he said, I'm going to do a law degree, and he did a law degree and then became a barrister, and it was like, I mean, he's a very, very bright lad, Paul, and one of my, my closest friends, and what he's done, you know, with his books and that as, as well, they're brilliant and he's gone through um, so many things. But yes, I mean, I would, I would I'm would. i going to start and jot a few things down, I think. And um, I, yeah, I might, I might, I've never really thought about it before, but so many people have said, you must do it. I've thought, well, maybe I'll start off by just jotting everything down and then, see what that turns into and, and probably um, and take it
0: from there, really. Well, Derek, it has been an absolute pleasure and on behalf of, obviously I can't speak for every Newcastle United fan, but I'm sure 99.9% or even 100% of Newcastle United fans would just like to thank you so much for your service at Newcastle United, because like Sam's mentioned, there's been a lot of highs a lot of lows but we always felt like when you were there you were the, the safety blanket the comfort blanket if you like because we, we knew that everything was going to be all right in the end because you were there so on behalf of all newcastle united fans who watch this and you know who go to the games and around the world we just like to say thank you so much for your service because it is really really appreciated I know thousands amongst thousands of newcastle fans would like to say the same thing No,
2: well, thank you and i do appreciate the, the, the those words and i do Just to say thank you to to all of the fans as well, really, because what the things they have said and, you know, my boys have shown me, uh, you know, made me quite emotional. And yes, I mean, you know, just a big thank you to all of them. And, you know, I've got so many memories and I've been in a very, very fortunate position. So thank you.
1: Uh, you'll have to you'll have to come back on the show when you've got a book to plug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: sorry I'm sorry about the com my technical skills
2: with a computer, by the way.
0: Oh, oh don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's, it's absolutely fine. We've got a very good editor. Don't worry about that. <laughs> where, where can everybody listen to this podcast, Sam?
1: Link's in the description, as always. It's uh, out on every uh, out every Tuesday for the audio pod. Link's in the description. Please leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.
0: So from myself, Jonathan Greenwood, my co-host, Sam Wilner, and Newcastle United's very own Derek Wright. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the North East. Reserve a table today on 0191213 0399 or visit CasasanLorenzo.co.uk.